0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sunshine Cinema Show. Please take your seats as the feature presentation is about to begin.
1: Ahoy there, shipmates. <laughs> and welcome aboard the good ship Sunshine. I'm Marcus, and this is Nick. Hello and we're going to guide you through what's happening in the world of cinema. So, Nick, we'll be getting us started with the big film news and we'll also take a look at what's currently hot at the cinema and to rent. We have two feature reviews for you today. First up is The Aeronaut*, an adventurous tale about a pilot and a scientist fighting for survival while attempting to make discoveries in a hot air balloon. Our second review is a dark comedy called The Art of Self-Defence. And this is based in a mysterious karate dojo.
0: Hmm.
1: Of course, we have our Take 5 film Quest. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it this week. But as promised earlier on, here's Nick the
2: latest movie news thanks marcus so the headlines this time james dean to be resurrected for new vietnam war drama and Nicolas cage may star as Nicolas cage in the most Nicolas cage movie ever made hollywood icon james dean is due for a cinematic resurrection after it was announced the actor has been cast in a vietnam war drama about military dogs According to The Hollywood Reporter, directors Anton Ernst and Tati Golick have acquired the rights to use the image of the actor, who died in 1955, from his family in an adaptation of Gav Croker's novel Finding Jack. The novel follows a soldier who bonds with a Labrador called Jack during the conflict, but is ordered to leave the dog behind, along with thousands of others, when the US military pulls out. The filmmakers will use pre-existing film and photographs to create a full-body CGI version of Dean, with another actor providing his voice. Ernst told The Hollywood Reporter... we watched high and low for the perfect actor to portray the role, which has some extreme complex counteracts, and after months of research, we decided on James Dean. We feel very honoured that his family supports us, and will take every precaution to ensure that his legacy as one of the most epic film stars to date is kept firmly intact. The family views this as his fourth movie, a movie he never got to make. We do not intend to let his fans down. James Dean died aged 24 in 1955 after crashing his Porsche Spider in California, having completed three lead roles in major films, East of Eden, Rebel Without a Cause and Giant, the last two of which were released posthumously.
1: Wow. This, to me, and I'm not going to sit on the fence, this is crazy. Yeah. What on earth? That's no
2: i agree interesting fact: james dean died in 1955 which is the uh the same year that the vietnam war started That's so, so he's, he's been digitally resurrected to star in a film taking place in a war which started after he passed away
1: so technically and i don't know how the conscription service works in in america but he could have fought in vietnam presumably he would have been
2: um, that age? i guess you yeah, know 24 I, I don't think they uh drafted people until much later in the, in the 60s okay okay that's when that was in the discussion but
1: had he fought in that war he might have had very different feelings about doing a film about the war
2: i presume i, I don't know <laughs> um if the uh, novel in question uh is a, a pro or anti-vietnam <laughs> War wow. take on it but wow it's just very strange. I mean, we've talked recently about uh, Peter Cushing being resurrected for um, a role in Rogue One, um, which was the same thing. It was like a full-body CGI version of him with another actor providing his voice. Obviously, that was a different uh, scenario, I think, because that was you using him in a role in which he had already performed when he was alive
1: exactly that point
2: yeah uh, this is just bringing back i mean the, the, the quote about them searching high and low for the poet to, to portray the role and then somehow after months of research you settle on james dean and I, I, I can't the, <laughs> how many actors did you say no to
1: i mean this is that's that's the point there if you just have a quick look at imdb and look at the number of actors <laughs> on there i mean you've got to go through quite a few before you go God, if, only the, if only that James Dean guy was, was still alive, yeah. he'd have been great for this
2: role. Get get his agent on the phone, what's he doing these days?
1: Uh, um, I, I saw the term uh, uh, CGI zombification uh, relating to bringing back uh, actors that yeah. are no longer with us.
2: Well I mean, that's the, the term zombie itself was first used to give an example of people uh, being raised from the dead to do uh, manual labour see wow and uh, in a way that's more or less what this is I, know. Oh, I don't know actually
1: even from a, a technical point of view I don't think they would uh, do it justice or do him justice oh no, no next no, no, no. year I mean with the ones that I've seen where it's worked quite well mm-hmm. it's always been with actors or actresses that are still alive I'm referencing Ant-Man with Michael Douglas, yeah, and, and Michelle Pfeiffer,
2: yeah, yeah,
1: and there's a good that uh, catalogue of source material for the computer to take the for the computer to take the the facial expressions and the movements, etc. From
2: yes, yeah.
1: How's that going to work with with James Dean?
2: I don't know when, when you consider that the the movies were made in the fifties as well, when the technology for making films was in- incredibly different to what it is today. I. I honestly know. Just to, just to finish with a story, they were... Um, obviously, the uh, reaction to this has, has been almost uniformly negative across the board. The um, directors were interviewed by Variety uh, a, a couple of days later. I think Anton Nurse said, uh, we don't really understand... We never intended for this to be a marketing gimmick. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> I would... Just to finish, I would put money on this movie never actually being made. Yeah. I hope it doesn't. Fingers crossed.
1: Well, actually... Sorry, I hope it does, but with... Live actors. Oh, yeah, we well, are. Yeah, yeah, sure.
2: Yeah. No complaints to that. Love dogs. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Always use a love a good dog movie. Nicholas Cage has spent the last several years knocking out one low-budget yarn after another, making disposable thrillers or interesting oddities, sometimes in the same year. But other than some occasional voice work, the last major studio release starring the actor was 2011's Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, based on the Marvel Comics character. But now Cage could be back, not that he ever went away, in a big way, as he finds himself in the centre of a hot deal for a project in which he would play one of the most iconic characters in Hollywood, Nicholas Cage himself. Lionsgate beating out several suitors such as HBO Max and Paramount is in final negotiations to pick up the unbearable weight of massive talents, the Hollywood Reporter has learned. The Meta Movie Project has a script by Tom Gormican and Kevin Etten, with Gormican attached to direct. Cage, if deals close, would star as actor Nicholas Cage. The character is desperate to get a role in a new Tarantino movie, while also dealing with a strained relationship with his teenage daughter. He also occasionally talks to an egotistical 1990s version of himself, who writes him for making too many terrible movies and not being a star anymore. The Cage character is also under a mountain of debt and finds himself forced to make an appearance at the birthday party of a Mexican billionaire who happens to be a fan of Cage's work and secretly hopes to show him a script on which he's been working. While he bonds with the man, Cage is informed by the CIA that the billionaire is actually a drug cartel kingpin who has kidnapped the daughter of a Mexican presidential nominee and is then recruited by the US government to get intelligence. The situation spirals even more dramatically when the Mexican brings over Cage's daughter and his ex-wife for reconciliation and when their liars are on the line, Cage takes on the role of a lifetime. The story is meta and includes nods to Cage works such as Leaving Las Vegas, Face Off and Gone in 60 Seconds, while the scripts that uh, Cage and the Mexican are writing begins to mirror events on the storyline. The project has tones of adaptation, which starred Nicolas Cage, and Jean-Claude Van Damme's meta movie JCVD, and the John Travolta Hollywood caper Get Shorty, among others. The fact that there is even a spirited interest for Unbearable Tempt is part Hollywood Dream Factory concoction, since the script wasn't even supposed to be seen by bias. Gormick wrote and directed the little scene... From Comp, That Awkward Moments, which starred Zac Efron, Michael B. Jordan and Miles Teller, and with Essen created Ghosted, a comedy that ran for one season on Fox. The two were looking to shake things up in their career and wrote a mirbletown as a sample script, hoping that it would open additional doors. The script was sent around months ago, according to sources. Interest seemed to bubble up somewhat simultaneously, while many began thinking that the script itself could be syllable, and mind-blown, what if Cage himself did it? According to sources, the script was shown to Cage accompanied with a letter that Gormickham wrote, pleading his case and saying how the piece was a love letter to the actor and not something that made fun of him. Cage was convinced and became attached only in recent weeks. The interest in the project was so high that sources say Cage is lining up to achieve a payday that would put him in the same rage he was in when making such studio hits as Con Air and National Treasure.
1: (laughs) Where'd you start with that story? That's... wow i would watch that film let's I, start with that
2: let's start with the, i would agree i would absolutely be there day one if that if that was made
1: and and nicholas cage well yeah i mean <laughs> he's done some funny roles but he's always seemed to be the same guy in them
2: he <laughs> he, he always gives it 100 percent. he always puts in the effort which i think is why he uh remains so watchable as an actor even if the project himself isn't uh particularly good i remember the um the film class i was in at university from uh 2008 to 2011 we were uh, obsessed with him <laughs> in a way because the the films were often bad but he was always putting in as i said 100 of of effort so we you know watched a, a lot of uh terrible movies <laughs> starring him and yeah you know, if if you had told us back in 2011 that this was a film that could possibly be, be made we you know, our minds would have been would have been blown <laughs> uh,
1: yeah i'm looking forward to that do they have a a, a date not a release date but a target uh
2: not date? not you know no, they're still trying to um sort of get the uh, necessary people together to get the green light i think so there's, there's no release dates uh, as of yet but rest assured that is a project we will keep a, a very very close eye on
3: in a world fraught with corruption two men united by fate torn apart by destiny Somewhere between Courage and. Not Courage. Between the pharmacy and the podiatry clinic, you'll find Nick and Marcus in the Sunshine Hospital Radio Studio. Only they can bring you the Sunshine Cinema Show.
1: Right then, let's have a quick look now at what's hot at the cinema and also to rent. And we will start with the top five box office films. At number five we have The Good Liar.
2: Yeah, based on the novel of the same name, sort of a tristy turney thriller starring E. McKillen and um Helen Mirren.
1: At number four we have the Adams family.
2: Yep, CGI animation, um based on the well, the very famous uh who was it? Charles Adams comics and the you know the earlier movies as well.
1: And at number three we have Maleficent, Mistress of Evil.
2: Yep, sequel to the first one, which came out was at the beginning of the decade, I think. Yeah, yeah, sort of, yeah, a few years ago, which in itself was like a, um, a retelling of the Stephen Busey story.
1: At number two, we have the Aeronauts, which we will be reviewing very shortly. And at number one in the UK box office charts, we have
2: Joker. Still there, at number Still one. There. It's, um, yeah, it's it's, it's done incredibly. Well. I think at this point, it's crossed the uh, the billion dollar mark. The first um, R-rated movie in in the US, at least, to um, to reach that particular aim um yes i mean i've we've sort of decided that we're going to be talking about this when it comes out on dvd yes it's a it's an interesting i'm still not too sure how i feel about it so
1: so nick's seen it i haven't yeah so he's trying not to give too much away for
2: me but <laughs> well, yeah I, I just don't want to go over ground that we'll probably sort of uh discuss in detail a few months down the line I mean, again i'm still not sure how i feel about it but bits of it were good
1: Okay. <laughs> Let's have a look at the uh, UK film rentals chart. And at number five, back in, after dropping out of the top five, we have Rocket Man.
2: Yeah, well, it's sort of like a perennial favourite for many people. And I think sort of, yeah, the uh, biopic of Elson John, several musical numbers in there. It's sort of, it's like a half musical in a way. We previously reviewed it on the programme, gave it a six out of ten. Musical numbers are, are good. It's just the stuff in between is just sort of fine. <laughs> but taron edgerton is great in the lead role and number four we
1: have aladdin
2: yeah, live action remake of the disney classic it was in cinemas beginning of the year number three spider-man far from home yeah it's uh it's a spider-man film i think, <laughs> I think it's the best way to describe it not a bad spider-man film no i mean well i mean there have definitely been worse spider-man films as spider-man films go it's uh pretty good but there have been much better ones into the spider verse yes absolutely (laughs) at number two we had yesterday Mm -hmm. which offers a a different slant on the whole uh movies based on a uh musical artists output it's a rom-com based around an idea of um what if everyone in the world forgot about the beatles except for one man who uh could play music It's sort of interesting interesting setup pretty funny less convincing when it comes to the uh the rom stuff and at
1: number one he's been here for a few weeks now mm. it's toy story four
2: yeah i think it's the last time so it had a very very long reign in the the box office top 10 so i imagine the uh same will be true for the rental charts but it's a you know, very good film it's it's the fourth <laughs> Toy story, yeah. story film, a film that we i don't think we necessarily needed but it's very good
1: <laughs> <laughs> now if you have seen any of these films We'd love to know what you think about them. And you can contact us via Twitter. Uh, We are at Sunshine Cinemax. Uh, Please let us know your your thoughts and uh, we'll share them on air. As long as they're not too rude. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Up next, um, Eddie Redmayne and Felicity Jones, you know, the, the stars of the theory of everything. Well, they've reunited to play a scientist and a pilot in a balloon expedition aiming to fly higher than anyone before. We'll review the Aeronauts.
3: This is the Sunshine Cinema Show. It is the
2: Sunshine Cinema Show here on Sunshine Hospital Radio with Marcus and Nick. It's time now for our first review of the programme, which is the Aeronauts, rated PG. In
1: 1862, headstrong scientist James Glacier and wealthy young widow Amelia Wren mounted a balloon expedition to fly higher than anyone in history. As their perilous ascent reduces their chances of survival, the unlikely duo soon discover things about themselves and each other that help both of them find their place in the world.
0: Today, myself, Amelia Wren, my naughty scientist, Mr Glacier, and my wonder dog, Posey, are going to change the world. Are you ready for us to do so? balloon on which I stand. The mammoth is a balloon like no other and will allow us to ascend higher into the air than any man or woman has ever gone. The French rose to 23,000 feet. Today, we will break that record and reclaim it for these fair shorts!
1: The Aeronauts was directed by Tom Harper. Uh, he previously directed Wild Rose. Uh, some of you may, may remember that film. It was the story of the young Glaswegian woman with dreams of becoming a Nashville country star. Mm-hmm. Really good film. Um, he also directed three episodes of Peaky Blinders. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, this f- uh, star's Felicity Jones, Eddie Redmayne, Hinesh Patel, and Tom Courtney. When you see this film advertised, it does heavily mention uh, that it is inspired by true events. Mm-hmm. And this is different to being a true story. Yeah, or based on real <laughs> events. <laughs> yeah. and, and I know Nick's going to go into to more detail on that in a minute. But um, I mean, generally speaking, balloon-based films well, they're not very common are they no <laughs> so does this one automatically rise to the top of the pile uh. <laughs> uh,
2: yes I, I think it's exciting enough to be called the best balloon based film to date I and mean, as you say it, it doesn't have much competition there uh there's the, the the three around the world in 80 days movies and that's all i can think of off the top of my head um you know but it, it makes a good bit the, the bar is low but the film sets its eyes higher anyway films like this can be a struggle for me to talk about honestly because the, the quality of pretty much es- every aspect is simply good all the way through not not great enough or even bad enough to be worth highlighting but also fine enough that i can't spend time analyzing ways and it, it, it could have been better i think this is the perfect example of a film that's good enough now this might be because it has the feel of a story that's been adapted for Maximum watchability The the first thing we see in the film is uh, As you mentioned the the caption Inspired by real events Which straight away tells us That this isn't exactly how it went down In real life So here are the details James Glacier Who's the the character played by Eddie Roman He is real He did go up and uh, attempt to to break the world record Emilia Wren The character played by Felicity Jones Who we heard in the clip Is uh, a a fictional creation She's a a, a combination of uh, I think two real female aeronauts, but uh, crucially, not the, the male one who attended the world record attempt with Glacier. This I, I don't think is particularly a problem because most films based on uh, real events do this. I mean, most recently, the, uh, the 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 TV miniseries Chernobyl had a character in that called, you know, fantastic programme, had a character in that played by Emily Watson, who um, it's mentioned at the end, was an amalgam of around 30 different scientists. Now, obviously, it's necessary to reduce that number to to simplify the story and make it, um, you know, something that's that's good to watch. And that's true here as well, I think. Uh, The structure of the film is a little bit interesting. It starts immediately with the the takeoff and then, as we go on, there are flashbacks uh, interspersed to show how the the lives of the two characters intertwined and led to uh, both of them being in the balloon, uh, attempting to do the same thing. I watching it, I wasn't sure if that was the best fit for the the story, but it'll you know it, it'll satiate the people who, you know, might have otherwise complained that they you know they don't get in, in the balloon quickly enough. So you know the story takes off pretty quickly. <laughs> oh. it. It, it also. Take steps to make sure that the adventure feels perilous all the way through it's um without using dialogue there's a just using filmmaking tactics there's a constant reminder of how when you think about it ridiculously dangerous air balloons can can seem it's sort of you know it, they're just in in a basket with a uh, a large amount of gas surrounded by silk. that is it and the several miles up in the up in the air and you know it, it feels like a constant tr- struggle to sort of keep that thing under control. The uh, performances are good uh, across the board. Felicity Jones, I thought, was very good. Felt like natural casting. Eddie Redmayne, uh, I think, mostly gives a very good performance, but I found the characteristics of his voice shifted a little bit from scene to scene, because his opening lines sounded very gruff, but uh, in later scenes his voice is more in line with his previous roles. Tom Courtney uh, has a very small but a heartfelt role as James Glacier's father, who's... Suffering from dementia, I thought he was uh, very good in the in the, in a in few small scenes that he has. Himesh Patel, who people would have seen in yesterday, he pops up a couple of times to essentially be a character that gives emotional support. But the, the, the film is really focused on Jones and, and Redmayne. It's a it's a two hander of a film. There isn't much of the chemistry that they had in theory of everything, but this film isn't really concerned with that in in the in the first place because it's it's not a romance. Also, one last thing: the makeup is excellent, especially towards the middle, where the um, you know frostbite and friction burns begin to take their toll. Makeup isn't something I normally highlight uh, in these reviews, mm-hmm. but l- like I said, in a film in, w- in which many things are simply quite good, the standouts exceptions stand out more than usual.
1: <laughs> I think it's fair to say that this is actually a, a film that you can recommend for the family to all sit around. Definitely, and, and yeah. sometimes that's just what you want. You don't need anything too heavy going Mm -hmm. so let's give it a sunshine cinema rating out of 10
2: then nick yeah uh seven i think is a fair one it's uh got its ups and downs (laughs) uh but but no real flaws to speak of i I don't know if it will stay with people beyond the the viewing but it's a exciting ride while it's on
1: Thank you, Nick. Okay, still to come on the Sunshine Cinema Show. Our film to rent review is the story of a young man who's attacked by a roving motorcycle gang but discovers the art of self-defense and is never the same. Before that, though,
3: we have our Take Five film quiz. You're listening to Nick and Marcus on the Sunshine Cinema Show. And now it's time
1: for the Take Five film quiz. So then, you're a massive fan of comedy movies. (laughs) That's what I'd heard. That's the word on the street. Well, let's put that little claim to the test with five trivia questions, all focused on comedy
2: classics. Is the the comedy that I have not seen going to raise its head at all?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I cannot confirm or deny, as it may prepare you right. mentally <laughs> to try and remember things that i've mentioned in previous quizzes mm. as they are your only source of knowledge that's, <laughs> that's true <laughs> <laughs> okay. so you are challenging nick um, and i'm also challenging nick with a target score okay this week nick i expect at least four out of five
2: okay Last couple of weeks have been better for me, so yeah. yeah we'll, we'll see if I can get there. You're riding on the crest of the wave, mm-hmm. so let's see if you can continue.
1: And let's start with question number one, and it's a festive one. Oh. What is the name of the elf that Will Ferrell plays in the film Elf?
2: Sorry, oh, sorry go on. I was sorry for the first time last year. Did you? Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Um. Yeah, it was okay I I don't know, maybe I need to see it on DVD Because I felt like maybe the TV broadcasters I saw Might have edited some bits out Which hey. might have been necessary for a, a, a smoother uh, plot line
1: Yeah, they do tend to do that mm-hmm. Okay, question number two Who directed Blazing Saddles? No Who directed Blazing Saddles? If you don't know, just have a guess Go on question number three what animal does harry's car resemble in dumb and dumber what animal does harry's car resemble in dumb
2: and dumber there it is there it isn't it i can picture it it's just a case of trying to figure out what it's supposed to be
1: (laughs) okay question number four um (laughs) <laughs> which actor spends most of the Caddyshack hunting down a gopher?
2: Which actor, you say?
1: Yes, which actor. So I don't need the character's name. Okay. But which actor okay. spends next most of the Caddyshack hunting down a gopher?
2: I'm mm, going to write down the name of the one actor I know for sure was in that. <laughs> and finally... Oh, oh, no, sorry. Oh. No. I misheard you. Sorry, move on. <laughs>
1: Question five, who played Dr. Frankenstein in Mel Brooks Young Frankenstein? I'm sure you're pronouncing that correctly. (laughs) How would you pronounce it? Frankenstein. (laughs) Who played Dr. Frankenstein in Mel Brooks Young Frankenstein? Thank you. And we shall be back with the answers after this message.
3: In a corrupt city where everyone is for sale, they're the best money can't buy. Nick and Marcus, exclusively on the Sunshine Cinema Show.
1: Okay, let's give you the answers mm-hmm. and see how you got on with this week's Take Five film quiz. Are you feeling confident, Nick?
2: Uh, I am,
1: yeah. Okay. I set in the target five, four. Don't don't start moving the goalposts (laughs) on me. (laughs) Let's see how you got on. Question number one, I asked you, what is the name of the elf that Will Ferrell plays in the film, Elf?
2: The answer I've written down is Buddy.
1: Correct. Question two, who directed Blazing Saddles?
2: Seems to be much discussed these days, I think, in, in certain circles on the web. Mel Brooks.
1: Correct. Question number three, what animal does Harry's car resemble... In Dumb and Dumber, mm. a film that Nick has yet to watch.
2: Yes, I think <laughs> maybe I might keep it that way, just so it was, continues to be a running joke on the <laughs> on the show. Uh, I have seen uh, like stills and footage of the vehicle in question. Um, I'm gonna. Is, is it meant to be a dog? Yes, it is. Ah, okay, <laughs> it's got it's got the raised ears and the tongue and the, the fur.
1: Well done. Uh, question four: Which actor spends most of Caddyshack? Shack? hunting down a gopher
2: yeah i have to change my answer correctly because at first i thought you uh, you said uh national lampoons vacation <laughs> okay which i've not seen but you didn't you said Caddyshack, which but you have seen uh, and the answer is bill murray correct
1: and finally question number five who played dr frankenstein frankenstein Yeah. in Mel Brooks' young frankenstein <laughs> uh, gene wilder Correct. Hey. Well done. Thank you. I don't even need to ask you. That's five out of five. It is, yeah. Oh, well I even got the demo question right. Oh, put yourself on the back. I will. How did you get on? Did you do as well as Nick? Well, you can always share your score. Uh, you can tweet us at Sunshine Cinemax. We'd love to know how you got on. And up next, now, Jesse Eisenberg. Remember him? Known for his Oscar-nominated role as Mark Zuckerberg in the film The Social Network? Yeah. He's back in a satire of masculinity. Hmm. Find out more as next we review the art of self-defense.
3: This is Nick and Marcus, exclusively on The
2: Sunshine Cinema Show. You are listening to The Sunshine Cinema Show with Marcus and Nick. Uh, it's time for our second review of the programme, which is The Art of Self-Defence, rated 15.
1: After getting attacked on the street, Casey enlists in a local dojo led by a charismatic and mysterious sensei. He soon uncovers a sinister fraternity of violence and masculinity while learning how to defend himself from future attacks. Casey must now embark on a dark and frightening journey that places him squarely in the sights of his enigmatic new mentor.
0: I'm afraid. I'm afraid of the dark. I'm afraid of other men. They intimidate me. I want to be what intimidates me. You came to the right place. You're learning karate, you're a blade, and I'm sharpening you. But there's a mental component as well. You mean like believing in myself? Yeah, that won't hurt. I'm talking about something a little different. What's your favorite style of music? Adult contemporary. No, should be metal. You ever listen to metal? You mean like hard rock? Metal is much more aggressive than hard rock. From now on you listen to metal. Yeah. It's toughest music there is. What about hobbies? Is there anything that you feel particularly passionate about, other than your newfound passion for metal?
1: The Art of Self-Defence was written and directed by Riley Stearns, who actually trains and teaches brazilian jiu-jitsu mm. uh it stars jesse ozenberg alessandro uh, nivola and imogen boots nick let me start by asking you a somewhat intriguing question mm-hmm. does this film take place in the real world
2: that is an intriguing question i would say no um it's a world that's very like ours in you know several aspects but it's um it's uh, I think what we call a heightened reality in which I think as we might have heard in the clip that people speak very very plainly uh, perhaps too plainly in, in some scenarios in some cases and they don't hide uh, what's on their mind, they say what they're feeling almost immediately without any kind of uh, pushing, it's, it's very blunt but for this kind of film it's also extremely uh, effective I, I sort of made notes of a few different touches as a sort of uh highlight that there's a a men's magazine which has has no title it's just got the male symbol and uh contains features such as the top five breasts even though as we can see in the magazine it should actually be top 10 because they're, they're all pairs you know there's, a, uh, there's an answering machine that informs casey that he has uh only one message and no one else left one <laughs> and um perhaps most brilliantly of all there's an, an early exchange in a, a gun shop where casey says I need something for self defense, something that can fit into my hand. And again, it says, well, it "Sounds like you're after a handgun." I mean, gives him one. Sort of kicks, he picks it up and sort of feels it for a bit. It says, "Yes, this is exactly what I'm after. I can fit it, I can hold this in my hand quite easily." These are all examples of how the film brilliantly sets up the world in which it takes place. It's a very specific uh, satirical tone, one that I think it shares with the films of Yorgos Lanthimos. It was a name that you might recognise. He directed the the favourites, which came out earlier in the year. Um, it was an excellent film, but I think this is more in line with the films that he's uh, written and directed, like uh, the, the Lobster, for instance, maybe uh, maybe Dog Two from a few years ago, and it's sort of somewhat reminiscent of the the TV show The End of the Effing World. And I'm basing that solely on the the first episode that I saw yesterday at Marcus's suggestion. I like what I saw; pretty good. I will watch the rest of that. <laughs> it's Very funny as well, although it has to be said the film's sense of humour is uh, a little bit dark and very specific in a way that's difficult to put into words, which fortunately is why we have uh, trailers and and clips (laughs) that are available. So do uh, look those up if the the clip and and this review intrigues you. It's a film that I think not only respects the intelligence of its audience, but it uh, rewards it as well and without giving anything away any any twists that uh, might occur within the story they aren't dwelled on in the way that uh, lesser films might the, the film never indulges in uh, making you appreciate how clever it is and much like the characters in the film these events are instead immediately accepted and then acted upon which i think is probably more Uh, true to life than I think uh, most films that would attempt that kind of thing it's also a film that uh, has to walk a very fine line with how it approaches the satire of the story because we can see how uh, Sensei and his teachings might be an attractive prospect to the characters but I don't think the film ever makes them attractive to the audience which is something that other films can, can fail at as well I think a lot of what Sensei teaches in this film is the perfect example of how to do satire effectively it's a collection of ideas that are interesting in theory but ridiculous in practice, which is something that's I think perfectly exemplified by the uh, the whole idea of making sentences with punches. So we mentioned Jesse Eisenberg not playing against type but uh, very much for type and I, th- I think doing so in a very knowing way, It's it's a performance that is a purposefully concentrated dose of the neuroses his characters in previous films have had and I think probably less similar to The Social Network and more in line with his work in The Double, which was directed by Richard Ayurading based on the Dostoevsky novel. That was a really good film. Uh, We also have uh, Alessandro Nivola who I I think gives far and away the best performance in the film. He's amazing in this role. And interesting, there's nothing in his prior filmography to suggest that he would be good in this very comedic role. He's sort of best known for uh, side parts in Face Off and Jurassic Park 3, but He absolutely nails the tone that the the film is going for. And the same is true of the the cast at large. And I think that's the biggest obstacle when it comes to making a film of this type. You you need actors that know what is being attempted there. And when they're all sort of working together as a whole, in that point, then the film completely pulls it off. And, as to be noted, the film features not one, but two very good dogs.
1: (laughs) This film isn't for everyone. No. But if it if it's your sense of humour, you're gonna love this film and I'm gonna put my neck on my line and say that this is gonna become
2: a cult classic.
1: I hope so. I really do. So with that in mind, Nick, let's get a Sunshine Cinema rating out of ten
2: yeah it's an eight out of ten it's fight club by the way of yorgos Lanthimos, and you know, I, as such is so far up my street it's practically taking a nap in my living room <laughs> um as you said it's, it's not for everyone but i i really enjoyed it and it, it's a film that didn't get a cinematic release in this country so it, it might not be on most people's radar uh, hopefully this review will, will put it there
3: in a world within our world They've created a world unlike any other world. And in that world is a show, a cinema show, but not just any cinema show. This is the Sunshine Cinema Show. Well,
1: sadly, we are fast approaching the end of today's show. And we just had enough time to squeeze in some upcoming releases at the cinema and on DVD.
2: Mm. What's caught your eye, Nick? Uh, well, let's start with the big one, shall we? Frozen 2, coming out on the 22nd of November. I imagine that's going to do incredibly well. <laughs> I'm, I'm secretly hoping that after
1: the success of Let It Go, mm-hmm. the song, yeah. they will flip it and have a song called Hold It Back. <laughs>
2: <laughs> maybe. maybe. Have, have you seen the first one? I have. Yeah, what did you think? I,
1: it, Yeah, it, it, it it was all right. I, yeah, it did what it, it set out to do, and I get why the kids love it.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I, I think I will my group of that one. Songs are really good.
1: They are. I thought.
2: Yeah. I keep forgetting the, the aspects of the plot that I keep forgetting about, though. Like the um, the, the, the the trolls. I keep forgetting that's a thing in, in in the film. It sort of comes out of nowhere, but as you say, very very effective for the, the kind of film. That it is and uh, it's going to do hugely well and absolutely. especially this time of year it's going to be the big
1: christmas blockbuster isn't it? it i think so well uh star wars mm.
2: i think yeah we'll see, we'll maybe, see. Maybe, maybe that's why it's coming out now instead of uh instead of december uh shall we stay with the cinema yes yeah, so, uh, okay I, I, only
1: because I, I did want to just mention that i saw a trailer for a, a, a film that i can only describe as bonkers mm. uh called mm. judy and punch okay um, I don't even know how to start describing this, but oh, okay. it, it's about a couple who run a Punch and Judy show, right. not at the seaside. Oh, okay. Of course, that would be normal, um, but how it becomes based on their their real lives and how yeah, how it, look, it turns a bit dark and sinister. Oh. I, all I can say is, if you get the chance to see the trailer, okay. I haven't look and see what you think.
2: I've seen the um, the motion poster in the the cinema a couple of times. Sort of looks like a sort of dark fairy tale, a sort of Guillermo del Toro type yeah. uh, type film. Yeah, oh, that could be it's interesting. It's different. Okay. Uh, also out on twenty second of November in the cinema, a bit of counter programming with Frozen is uh, Twenty One Bridges, which is the uh, new film direct, um Sorry, produced by the the Russo brothers who uh, directed the the most recent Avengers. Film, so they're sort of following up like success. This stars uh, Chadwick Boseman and J.K. Simmons and Sienna Miller, um, which a New York detective is uh, thrust into a city-wide manhunt for a pair of cop killers after uncovering a massive and unexpected uh, conspiracy. So, a little, little bit of a, an update on the old um, taking a pen and one, two, three type movie. I like that. Yeah, but it, it, it looks good if you, if you see the trailer as well. It's sort of the uh, the plot follows him closing the entire island of Manhattan. As they're going on, this man and it's
1: Denzel Washington, wasn't it, and taking a Pen on one, two, three.
2: In in the remake, yes. yes. Yeah, oh, sorry, yes. Water, yeah, in the original, yeah. which is I mean the original is a great has the perfect ending, I think, for for that kind of film. Lion King is the remake of the Lion King is out on DVD, uh, which we've discussed on the program before. It wasn't really for us, but you know, if you want to see a, a realistic version, r- visually realistic, probably not a. Realistic in terms of story, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but yeah, a, a visually realistic version of that particular story, then uh, that is available now. I imagine that will do pretty well. Oh it?
1: come on, it's, it's going to s- be in stockings all over the country. Perhaps, Abs-
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also on DVD, um, a little curious one is uh, the current war, which is the uh, story of the the race between electricity tycoons Thomas Edison and George Westinghouse to determine whose electrical system would power the modern world. I saw this in a cinema uh, when it came out earlier in the year. It's, um, it's an interesting one. stars Benedict Cumberbatch and uh, Michael Shannon in the lead role. Um, also, that's a very good performance by Nicholas Halter's uh, Nikolai Tesla. Ah, uh, yes. It's, it's an, I don't think it's. it, it quite works, but um, it's an interesting one. Yeah. Check out the trailer, see if it's for you. Now, finally,
1: as, as far as curious looking films go, mm-hmm. uh, I saw a trailer for Studler. Okay. Uh, that's Studler, as in. Uh, there's a guy called Stu who drives an Uber.
2: Yes. <laughs> Stu. yes. wonder how much he got paid off the back of that. <laughs> right, right.
1: I, it looks slightly terrible, but, <laughs> but equally watchable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's it from us this week. Thanks for joining us. Take care. Get well seen. Bye.
0: If you missed anything in today's episode, you can hear the edited podcast online. Just search for The Sunshine Cinema Show Podcast. This is a Sunshine Hospital Radio production. Get well soon.